All right, you guys. It's part three. It's official. Uh, this is the last part of the Remember Spective, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And it's going to be a big fucking part. There's <laughs> like seven planets in this some bitch. So uh, get excited. Uh, go to sleep to it. You know, do what you got to do. I mean, um, I know that's what I do whenever I listen to these kinds of videos, the retrospectives especially. I just, you know, I sleep to them. I gotta do the opening. So, uh, welcome back to another episode of I Don't Need a Manual with, uh, you guessed it, Emmanuel. That's me. We're gonna start on, well, we ended on, let me look here, Blizzard Prime, uh, that piece of shit. Part two, by the way, was like a fucking hour, and it was only four planets, um, for a reference to what I'm gonna tell you part three has one two three four five six seven eight and then a ninth uh uh re-review um part because i found that i have a lot of thoughts about this game um that i didn't realize i had before so uh i mean let's get into it tor torn five Torn 4 is a really fun planet, and it's the home of the Fixer. We need to find this guy to repair the phase quartz that was broken on the Confusion Incarnate that was Blizzard Prime. The aesthetic of Torn 4 is something that really resonates with me. I, I love a Junker world a lot, and so does most of the world, I think. I mean, look at Tatooine. Now, it's Sand World, of course, uh, but it's a Junker world of Star Wars, Arrakis, same kind of thing, um, Desert World, Sand World, but it's a Junker world, basically. Uh, and even Altair IV um, from Forbidden Planet. That's not a very common one. You know, it's a huge, huge one, but it's like not a lot of people are aware of that. But there's something really magical about multiple races, let alone the human race, living on a planet that is nigh uninhabitable, more so in the case of Arrakis than, you know, Tatooine, of course, considering Arrakis is, it seems like it's going out of its way to kill everything on it. And Tatooine's worst feature is like, I don't know, the Crate Dragon or something. Unless there's something even worse on there that I just don't know about. If there is, by the way, please fuck let me know because I love Star Wars lore. I, I mean, that's mostly what I listen to. If I'm playing like Destiny or World of Warcraft or Diablo 4 now, I'm listening to lore videos, you know, or a retrospective. I mean, that's it, you know. So, all right, we land on Torin 4, and we got to kill some crabs or whatever to get to the city below. Once we get to the main thoroughfare, we beat some junker named Volard, or Vullard, which I'm now realizing is just buzzard with a V, so Vullard, which is pretty on the nose, makes me think scrapper more than junker. But, you know, Vullard lets us know where the fixer is and they point us to this big ass iron giant Liberty Prime fucking dude out in the distance, which is so sick. The fixer is absolutely massive, by the way, like huge. Um, if you know who Liberty Prime is, you'll love this character. You know, I love Liberty Prime. Also, I am barely, fairly confident that Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas are <clears throat> like some of my favorite games of all time. 
And I'd love an excuse to play one, if not both of them again. Shit. I'd love to play them, oh, I don't know, on stream, wink, wink. Just let me know. Uh, Email me. I always put in every description of each episode, I put the email that you can shoot me one at. Uh, I I would love to talk to you guys more. Um, You know, shout out, by the way, to uh, shout out to the second most listened second country that this country that's second that listens most to this podcast which is belgium and i'm trying to like rack my brain thinking who do i know that lives in or around belgium right i have some buddies who i'm sure they don't listen to it because i haven't spoken to them in a while um they live in well they may not live there anymore but they did live in leeds you know uk but there was a foreign exchange student. I, It's escaping me exactly where he's from. Dude's name was Paul. Paul rocked, right? Love Paul. But I thought that he was Danish or German or something. I just don't know. I can't remember. My memory's bad, okay? That's why this fucking thing's called a remember-spective. Because it's you're going to go and play this game eventually. Some of you guys will. And you're going to realize that I'm a fucking moron. And like, oh, this guy doesn't remember anything. He even had like a little rubric that he went off of. And he still got it wrong, you know? So shout out um, Brussels more specifically, right? Because um, that's the, that's the I don't know, is it a city? Is it a t- You know, I don't know what it would be called. But shout out Belgium, shout out Brussels. Then it goes, you know, Canada and then United States. Shout out Caden, shout out Lucas. Shout out anybody that's listening to, by the way, I, you know, just like, I'd love to do like a roll call, you know, like send me an email, say here, I just so I can thank you. Because um, it means a lot. So back to Torn 4. Um, I would love to play... Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas on stream. So let me know. If you want me to do that, uh, tell me, and I will uh, find a way to put in my Twitch name or something like that. It, I, I just I just really would like an excuse to play them, and if I can play them for somebody else, you know, at the same time, that would be great. So the there's the fixer out in the distance. He's being held together by cranes and various bits of machinery, and Vollard is telling us that pirates have been fucking with Torrin 4 a lot lately, and Fixer has been protecting them, and he's gotten to the point where he can't slash won't function, because he's been, you know, breaking and instead of fixing, which is hilarious and such an obvious and fun way to take the story in a, this kind of children's game. The whole, you know, being quote-unquote born for something and having to work against that, you know, protocol if you're a robot that you've been programmed to have, you know, it's so silly. Um, but also, it's important for these kids to hear those kinds of stories and, you know, uh, think and be introspective, whatever. So we got to go to Shaq over in the over in the distance to convince him to fix our little precious gym. And to get there, we get a new gadget. The hurl shot. So uh, that's what I have to go get, right? Um so we swing, you know, our regular swing shot onto some railings and we get to, you know, hop about with our mag boots and kind of skate skate around. Um, and we go down these mine rails, dodging different mine carts that are falling down uh, before we reach a flat bit. And we get a cutscene of Pierre's little rusty ass and all his pirates going after the hurl shot as well. You know what we got to do? We got to whoop some Jack Sparrow ass. 
I just want to let you know, you know, so I know I say this is a remember perspective and all that, but I do like to jog my memory so I don't do everything like completely out of order. Um, so I do pull up a walkthrough that just gave me like the order that the planets go in and like the general order of events. I don't pay attention to those as much. Um, but the walkthrough I use is on IGN and like boo, you know, it works. The, the website is nice. Um, I do not like IGN that much, by the way, you know, they got, they got all this money. So they have a nice website point like period. Um, and I say that all to tell you that IGN talks about strategy. <laughs> like in this game, let me tell you what they said here. I'm going to quote it. So quote, in order to continue, you'll need to defeat the pirate crew. While it's a pretty standard battle that's very similar to your encounters with the goons for less forces, we recommend using the higher ground to get the upper advantage over the pirates carrying shields, end quote. Like, okay, for one, that's not, like, people are reading that and they're not having fun reading that, you know? And then throughout the whole thing, it's, you know, it's every planet. It's like what I'm doing here, except for way condensed, way less info. And it's just not only is it boring, but there's so many errors, you know, like nobody's reading my script and I'm still like editing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm making sure that it's not shitty. So that's, that's my gripe. But, um, like they go through the whole walkthrough talking about how best to do each fight and like, it's a ratchet and clank game, dude. Upgrade your fucking guns and shoot shit. There's not that much strategy in this game at all. Even on the harder levels, the only like strategy, quote unquote, is don't stand in the open because all they do is more damage and they chase you a little harder. You know, the AI is more aggressive. It just feels like IGN's like a bunch of goons. And people have been saying that to them for years, and they just don't give a shit. They keep on hiring these yahoos that look like they've never played a single fucking game in their lives. And I know, I barely have a leg to stand on, if one at all, you know? But the writing is just so fucking boring. Like, I get it. Writing about anything is hard. Writing about a video game is really difficult. But at least put something into it. I don't know. I'm probably being a dick about it, but there's just, there's so many better outlets for video game articles that are much smaller. And IGN is still ass with all this money. You know, they're, they're literally just the video game version of ESPN, except for they don't have a goat like Zach motherfucking Lowe to carry them. Whatever. So I peek at the IGN walkthrough so I can make sure I'm not all over the place because I know I would be if I didn't have like a small rubric or something. Okay, bitch, we kill some of the pirates and some escape with that little bucket pier in the end and we get the goddamn uh, hurl shot and this thing is wild. Um, like the animation's really fun and I, you know, imagining doing this in real life is crazy. Uh, it reminds me a lot of that forward, you know, fast spin, uh, like tumble attack or movement ability that they do in Jack and Daxter. You guys remember that where they do the front flip really fast? You get a prompt on specific, I think, yellow balls in the air. And when you hit the button, uh, it'll kind of mag you'll magnetize. You know, the games do that uh, to the button, uh, the yellow thing. And then you'll spin super duper fast. Uh, I think it's like a backflip kind of. And then you'll ramp it up. You have to mash a button and then shoot 
hurl you in whatever direction you know you need to go eventually after some exploration and traversal of course we get taken to a couple ships that pierce in charge of and we got to kill some more pirates and then a big boss fight of a big ass pirate named we you know w-e-e rogers which is really just a reskin nefarious juggernaut that's annoying um but it's only the first one can't get any worse than that right um once we kill that big dude we have to abandon ship yar via hurl shot and we get taken to another area of torn four and would you guess it by goddamn we get to kill more pirates uh put that eye roll emoji in your head by the way you know you know the more i talk about this game in detail the more i think i'm gonna have to give a new review at the end of the whole series here and i think that's what i'm gonna do um i mentioned that earlier but uh i I, i'm definitely gonna be doing that okay so we kill more pirates and we go further into Torin 4. And then we kill more fucking pirates. Jesus Christ. But wait, there's more. Another boss, right? Okay. Another reskin. In fact, it's not only another reskin. It's just a bigger version of We Rogers called Not So We Rogers. Like it's silly, it's cute, but it's just lazy it's like borderline disrespectful i think as i mean i paid 70 dollars for this video game you guys hopefully you can go get it before it it's over with but like right now it's free uh if you have playstation plus and it's going to be coming to um steam later too so i you know as much as i have been shitting on the game i think i've also talked it up quite a bit i can't recommend playing this game enough you know go play it if you enjoy these kinds of games it's it's totally worth it you know um, honestly i i think it was worth it at 70 dollars. so uh playing it for free is going to be insanely worth it so this not so we rogers is annoying he's got the same attacks same movement like all he has is just more health kill the goddamn pirate boss and get to the fixer we have another cut scene, you know, that comes up and it's with the fixer. Guy has a straight up meltdown. The poor robot guy's having a crisis of the mind, you know, and that he was created to fix and to help, to mend, you know, to make what was separated whole again. He's not a creator, you know, creators destroy to bring forth. You know, creators break and they bend, they flood and they burn, they kill and they birth. The fixer is not a creator. You know, they're a mender of bones a melder of metals, a renewer of life, not a creator. They know death. They know the absence of, right? But they're not a bringer of death or nothing. And they've been made to destroy as these pirates invaded Torn 4 and the poor fixer has a mental breakdown, you know? He has like an anxiety attack. It's really sad. The fixer says something really cool. And this is where the writers kind of popped off. Fixer said this as we were escaping from him losing his shit. You know, we're skating around, his him slamming his hands down on the rails and all kinds of stuff. Is what he says. To mend is to enlighten, but I am not deserving of enlightenment. And that really upset me, the poor guy. You know, eventually we do fix the fixer, mend the mender, and as we help render his ruptured soul whole once again. He repairs our phase courts and send us on our way with thanks. You know, it's a really sweet little story, you know, and a really fun planet at that. Back to the ship we go. 
changed, and enlightened, just like the fixer was meant to do to those around him. This plan was a lot of the same that we've seen from the game thus far, but like always, the game has such high highs, you know, and one of the highest highs of this game was the fixer. It's something that's severely lacking in these games that are meant for, you know, teens, preteens. I, I I really believe that games are a way to change how people think. I don't I don't feel that kids necessarily need to have Call of Duty games taken away from them, and I really don't think they have a huge effect on children in general. But I do, however, think that games need to start being made that help children to think about how they think, you know, critically think. Think about how they feel in their, you know, their souls or minds, etc. And really, they need to be a little bit more as annoying as it is, philosophical, because to philosophize is to think critically, and to think critically is to work towards being a well-rounded human being. And I mean, there's no more righteous goal than that, right? Thanks for listening to my TED Talk, I guess. The next planet is um, Cordelian, and I really like this one. It's fun, at least in my memory. And as we found, I I really tend to put those rose-tinted glasses on with this game from time to time. So off to Cordelian. Uh, Cordelian, a relaxing retreat for the citizens of Polaris Galaxy, a place for fun and frolic. But soon fun shall turn to fear, for deadly danger creeps this way, and it came from Gulagoon. We're going to be landing somewhere called Kadaro Station, or Kadaro, I don't know, K-E-D-A-R-O Station. It's out in the middle of an ocean, spanning, you know, further than we can make out. The planet Cordelian seems to be nothing but ocean. I'm not sure if they ever mention what the ocean is made of, but it looks like water or something water adjacent. Um, I hope because we're going to end up going in the water or whatever material that is <laughs> for a bit, a little later in the level here on Kadaro, um, We're going to do a little bit of an outlast Bioshock dead space wombo combo. And for that reason, it's a really nice planet to be in, but I have to tell you, it's another Blyzon crystal level. And you guys all know my beef with this. This one is just as egregious as the last. And I have to be honest, the more I think about it, the more of an effect it has on me. And honestly, this one. So we hit the Blyzon and we go to another dimension. It's called the Abandoned Dimension. And for the sake of a four-letter word, you know, look. I'm going to try with this planet to the marketability kind of thing. I'm not going to curse that much. You know, let's see how it goes. Or better yet, let's just see how long I can go without saying f***. Where was I? All right. So they they twist and turn so many times with this Blyzon thingy, you know, where where they take you off to another dimension and they could easily just make it a time travel thing. And again, I'll get into it a little bit more as we get into the planet, but there's a reason there are only two planets with these freaking things, okay? Of course, what do we have to do? After we get off the ship, we go down and we have to whack some baddies and they're nefarious goons. Of course they are. That is a common occurrence that I've kind of touched on a little earlier. They recycle pretty much every enemy at least like 10 times. And that's kind of frustrating because the game is so short, you know? 
I just wonder if all those beautiful effects were actually, you know, in a roundabout way to the detriment of the game as a whole, because as you go back through the entire thing, you really start to notice not cracks, but things that are missing and that you would expect to be in the game. You know, one of my most important ones being a diverse cast of bad guys to beat the, you know, living anyways out of. After beating the crap out of these lizard guys, we make our way to the top of a room and find some blizon, blizon. Great. We need to get some elevator to work. And since it's broken in the regular dimension, uh, it should be working in the abandoned one, right? Ooh. So we hit the blizon and we go to the abandoned dimension. It is decrepit. There's broken domes of glass, you know, dust, waters taking advantage of all the dilapidation. It's pretty rough. And as frustrating as Blizon is, they really nail the aesthetics of each planet. And this one is is no, you know, outlier. <laughs> this place looks great. Uh, they really get the feeling that everything's meant to betray. Uh, pretty much without fault, honestly. It, it just really feels not quiet and not just silent. You know, I'd call it ominously deaf. Ominously deafened, even. You know that pregnant silence? They've, like, snatched that away and they've put it in their pocket for personal use, pretty much. I mean, they just don't, they don't mess around. They really don't. Um, so, Blizon, hit, elevator, unlocked, attitude, adjusted, okay? So, we get to hop in the elevator and we make our way to the research division. On the way there, we get to meet some oldies and kind of goodies. The Amoeboids. I think these guys are pretty funny, and it's mostly because I liked Flubber when I was a kid, and also the Amoeboids have been around forever in this series, you know? I don't, I can't remember exactly if they've been around since number one, but, I mean, they it's got to be close. If there wasn't number one, then they came in number two. Not poop. You guys grow up, okay? Literally. But I, I did really like Flubber when I was little. You know, outside of that, they're a nice enemy. Um, they amp up enemy density a lot. Most importantly, you get the easy enemy density, considering they come weaker the more you hit them and separate separate them. It's pretty much the opposite of like Hydra style multiplication, you know? Tell you what. Easy enemy density is something that is sorely missing from a lot of these run-and-gun games, say for like Devil May Cry, where you're just OP, you know? It very well may be a perfect game uh, that generally stays in its lane, especially if you're a fan of really cheesy, toe-the-line shitty voice acting. The brightest portion of this game is easily the gunplay, not the enemies. Uh, I've made that abundantly clear thus far, I feel, and I think it's the opposite in uh, Devil May Cry. I think that the the power that you have just innately in addition to how easy everything is to kill is so nice. So, you hit the green blobs, hit him again, you hit him again, hit him again, hit him again, and hit him again, 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 hit him again. And then why not hit him again one more time? And as you hit them, they'll multiply into smaller and smaller guys. If they're really big, you can hit them a whole bunch of times, which is pretty uh, fun. It, and and they, they die in one hit 
so you don't have to worry about having extra bullet sponges around uh great enemy probably the best enemy in the game you know also maybe the longest running enemy outside of the the goons for hire or whatever uh i i really love these guys they're they're super fun and they're silly and i, I imagine that they're awfully stinky you know awfully stinky so uh as we beat them down after we beat them down, actually, we go down this long hallway, big, gooey, scary hallway to get a cutscene. And we meet somebody named Junkbot, or I guess something named Junkbot, and they're pretty funny. It's a good bet to take if you're looking to make some easy money that the side characters in these games are going to be fun and silly and well written. That's just how it's going to be. It's honestly one of the main reasons to play any of these games is to to interact with them. They're fun. They're silly. They're well-written. Like I said, gosh, chill out. Junkbot refuses to call our heroes by their names. It's really funny. He messes them up the entire time until the very end where, you know, the payoff, of course, is him saying it correctly once and then just never getting it, you know, right again. It's silly. It's fun. It is what it is. But that's the very end of the planet and we need to do some journey before we do some destination so junkbot tells us that we need to drain a flooded room in the abandoned dimension because we got them all caught up because this room that's flooded has a path that we need to take to get to where we need to get which is ultimately the rubion forge which we're going to use to craft the dimensionator finally i'm going to skip most of the game parts of this level because honestly it's pretty long-winded and it's a lot of the same what i really want to talk about is the big scary monster that alien isolations us the entire time who literally can't take damage just like the alien and alien isolation he is Junkbot's best buddy or she i think it's ambiguous through the cutscenes and passive dialogue we kind of find out that uh they're buddies um but we also kind of find out that Poor Junkbot has just gone completely wackadoo crazy and has built this monster up in his head that he's quote-unquote playing with uh, to be his buddy when in reality the monster <laughs> is trying to kill Junkbot. <laughs> you know, alienized, he's just running from him and Junkbot's being silly. And uh, Junkbot calls the monster Juice. And his name's pretty silly, you know, in hindsight, because we need to power the forge and we don't have any juice to power it. Uh, we end up figuring out that juice is capable of powering a forge powerful enough to create a weapon capable of bending space and time. That's a little wild. Um, and I, even in this game, it's kind of hard to believe, you know, they just very convenient. So we find juice in the abandoned dimension while the psycho is on a tirade right um but whenever we go to the regular dimension um where everything's like regular there's scientists bustling about now uh, we find the poor guy in a water filled tube you know kind of in like a stasis um point you know i don't know how better to describe that he looks like he's in cryo you know what i mean um but he's, he's stuck in this tube powering not only the forge, but the entire construct that we've been mucking about in. And here's where I get annoyed with the Blyzon. So we end up bringing 
regular, like nice dimensions juice, we break him out and somehow bring him to the abandoned dimensions juice. And that quells whatever destructive fire, you know, was being stoked within the beast. But like the entire time we're going back and forth between quote unquote dimensions, we're seeing this construct in its prime with scientists bustling about and all that. And just like the abandoned dimension is the same way. Like it had the same past. So why in God's name are we making it so it's different dimensions it just seems like so much jumping around and so much like hand waving and you guys know i appreciate hand wave but if they just did like a time travel thing it would be so much easier you know so in my mind this should be cordelion of the past the abandoned dimension should be the cordelion of the present not the Cordelian of another dimension. Are we supposed to believe that everything is exactly the same, say for a couple people here and there, gender swapped, that's kind of how this world works, right? Whatever. It just seems like such a needless annoyance of storytelling when they could just use phase quartz as dimension traveling devices and Blyzon as vehicles for traveling time. And then you could like have so many different cool things you could do in, 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 in new games, you know, you could use the Blyzon to travel way back in time to deal with the Lombaxes and like say, no, don't, you're going to, we're going to lose you to, to time and whatever, you know, it's like they've already dug this hole with the Blyzon also being like dimension traveling, but I just feel like it was such a missed opportunity to tweak a few things and make this so much easier and, and allow for more creativity, whatever, um, we bring the two juices together and they live happily ever after with Junkbot and we get our Dimensionator. It's a happy ending after all, at least on Cordelian. This is a long planet. Uh, I didn't write as much because I really wanted to condense it. Uh, it's much longer than it had any need to be. But in my opinion, it was good and per usual, it was gorgeous. The art team popped, you know. They have been the entire time and now... We have to stop by a scar stew again and mess about in the gastropub before we shoot off to Ardolis. Ardolis is a fun one. All right, back to the gastropub on scar stew. Um, as we, you know, input that we want to go there, we get pulled into a cutscene of Ratchet and Ribbit, finally meeting in person along with Clank and Kit switching spots and completing the dimensional counters. Woohoo! Right? Um, I'm, as an aside, because this is a short one anyways, this particular quote-unquote planet. I'm writing this as I'm watching uh, The Ultimatum Queer Love, and can I just say that they showed a uh, 15 seconds before actual sex scene within, like, the first five minutes? And can I just say, all these dating shows are the same. I'm, like, wildly leftist, um, really progressive, um... So this doesn't have to do with the queer edition. It just happens to be the one that I'm watching. All of these dating shows, especially on Netflix. Netflix are horrible about this, but all of these fucking dating shows, right? They are so unhealthy, right? So the first like five minutes of this show are really emblematic of all these really vapid dating shows. 
on Netflix and really all the streaming services at this point, these people are so sexed up and immature, it feels like they're incapable of actually feeling love. You know, all they know is lust. And they refuse to look deeper at themselves and their partners like They've been together for a few months, a few years, broken up a handful of times, and then decide in this show's instance that marriage is the missing piece. Kids. It's just so frustrating watching this because you know high schoolers are watching this, middle schoolers, junior high, they're all watching this, and they're picking up such horribly unhealthy habits, you know, in, for their future dating life watching this shit. One girl said... That five years felt like a long time. She said, and I quote, five years sounds like such a long time. Like I've been waiting for 10 years to get married already. End quote. Like this woman is in her thirties almost and says that it just, it just makes me feel bad for the kids that don't know better thinking that's how adults think. I just don't understand how these stupid people are like, I think having sex and forming relationships with random other people who are in long-term relationships also will really strengthen the bond I have with my actual partner. Like, God, it's so frustrating. And it just doesn't make a lick of sense. And they say goodbye by saying, I love you. Like, clearly you don't love them that much if you're giving them an ultimatum in the first place. But especially to get married instead of just, I don't know, being together and oh, oh let me just wreck my brain not relying on a piece of metal and a slip of paper to confirm that they're committed to each other Ugh, i could bitch about this for hours but i know i'd just be saying the same shit over and over again whatever i back to ratchet and clank i just needed to talk about that for a second because it it made me so mad <laughs> it made me so fucking mad so the pairs now are in their correct state. Ratchet with Clank. Rivet with KT. Uh, finally. After the cutscene, uh, we find out Zerky's been overrun by Dr. Nefarious and goons and all that. And we have to defeat them and then defeat, you know, him in a way. Like usual with the games, we beat on him, but we don't defeat him, right? Next, we have to save someone named Captain Quantum on Ardolis. Uh, this is like a not a sleeper agent, but like an undercover agent in the resistance that Rivet is the boss of, right? So Ardolis, we go. Ardolis is a freaking pirate planet, okay? As we're pulling in, pulling in. What is the equivalent to pulling in to a planet? Huh. Well, well, whatever. We hear something on our radio talking about how there's some kind of event going down soon and it involves the oh i don't know killing of pierre laville because i forgot to mention that he also abandoned his ship on one of the planets before this and that's a big no-no in a space pirate culture apparently um as a quick aside because i could speak at length about how excited i am for it i am like out of my pants excited for starfield um i i don't know how to effectively communicate that other than just saying that. I am over the moon. The Xbox showcase was everything that I wanted it to be. The Starfield Direct was everything I needed it to be. Um I I can't I can't I can't explain how excited I am for it, you guys. I'm 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 fucking pumped, okay? So 
we have to save that bucket of bolts, Pierre, because he's basically our only hope um, to get to Captain Quantum and get the whole gang back together. After getting off our ship, we have to go to the city center below us because it turns out that not only is Pierre getting killed or something, the fella's getting dangled <laughs> upside down to get eaten by bubbles to crack in. <laughs> like, hello? This game's ridiculous. Kill, kill the pirates surrounding Pierre and close the big-ass hole in the middle below Pierre that is letting bubbles reach his or her scary-ass beak from, you know, the dark waters of Ardalis. And, you know, after we get that, get some info from the outlaw that is Pierre about how to locate El Capitan. Pierre tells us that we need to go do the uh, pirate trial on Skull Mountain, which sounds like it's out of the fucking Goonies, right? It ends up being kind of far away, and uh, it's a long ways away over some thick, scary dark water on an alien planet, and that means many things, but I have a feeling you all know what it's going to be. One, two, three, Speedles! Yay, right? These godforsaken things are here too, it seems. And they can go so fast they just skip over water and and also like the goop on that other planet, uh, Sargasso. Okay. Hand wave, right? I like that. Very cool, I guess. We speed along over to another bit of land, handily avoiding any stray tentacles and or bombs that lay in our path. And uh, we make some real headway towards Skull Mountain this way. Uh, you go super fast. <laughs> you like jump over ramps and stuff. It's cool. Uh, I don't know how much exploring you're going to do, um, but I did a lot. I didn't have anything but spy bots and a handful of weapons to buy by the time I finished up the main quest, honestly. Um, but once we all get scrounging about for loose nuts and bolts, we can make our way all the way up the mountain and into the pirate trials, the almighty test of strength, courage, and rapscallionism. It's a theme park, basically, right? Pirate trials are a small theme park called the Pirate Trials, and we have to do little, like, tests of might, cunning, and then Something the original purveyors of this experience anticipated. A battle arena and a carousel room, all culminating in a big boss fight by way of a big, uh, skilly, menacing reskin of a fucking juggernaut. Like, come on, you guys. It's just so lazy. You know what I mean? I get it's not easy to create a game like and i don't even get the degree of difficulty that creating a game gets to but i have played god of war i've played uh elden ring i've played a dark souls you know what i mean it's like it's just i don't know Insomniac is capable of more than this, is all I'm saying. So, the reskin of the Juggernaut, their name is Crab Cakes McGee, which is cute. And this was really around the time I felt, you know, in real time, as I was playing the game the first time, that I felt that they were running out of shit that they wanted to put in the game. 
but they needed to meet like an average time played metric of some sort. So they just started copy pasting bad guys, mostly juggernauts um, for boss battles. Cause it's like, there's one boss battle per level, maybe two. And the last like five have been juggernauts. Like, come on. Um, but they just started copy pasting bad guys, the general pathing of planets, uh, you know, more streamlined areas, uh, compared to Sargasso, uh, Savali, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Like as much as I love the customization that they put in this game, if that means that we get a less varied gallery of like repertory malfactors, then by goddamn, I want less customization. I can't even see the face of Ratchet or Rivet, like 99% of the fucking game. So what does it matter? After finishing up the pirate trials, we've got to go get Captain Quantum. They never really tell you who he is, uh, you know, up until you find out who he is, right? So you get there, and then you see this Buzz Lightyear-shaped looking guy with a bucket on his head. Apparently, this Captain Quantum was, like, his undercover uh, was a robot, for however many years that he'd been undercover and to pass as a robot, he just wore this big bucket over his head that had lights on it and it modulated his voice. It's Captain Quark, right? From uh, our Ratchet and Clank's dimension. Um, And when his identity got revealed, the pirates turned on him. Did I mention he was like the big dog of pirates? Like he was the boss of the pirates. And they just turned on him like that, even though he'd, you know, led him down a pretty sweet pirate path, honestly, to Davy Jones's locker, as far as I'm concerned, you know, with those pirates. Um, just like in the Ratchet Dimension, Quark is completely useless. So we've got to protect him the entire time he's trying to get this big ass ship he's been using to jet around the galaxy uh, off planet. But just as he's about done, this thing called a plunder beam start shooting at us what was that movie or show where firecrackers start going off and the character's like they're shooting at us it feels like something will ferrell would say is it whenever his car catches like on fire after he gets into the wreck he's like the, the, the invisible man is shooting at us or something like that like like save me oprah winfrey or something it's got to be like that um what do you know uh, we have to disable yield plunder beam, though, after that little digression. Once we disable it, by killing the same enemies we've been killing for how many hours now? We bebop right on back down to Quark ship and, oh, I don't know, get ambushed again? By a really sharply named pair of bosses called the Tide Twins, which makes me think of uh, the... Bond twins, I think, in Destiny 1, um, the two Valises. That was awesome. That was a good, that was a classic dungeon. I miss Destiny 1 uh, strikes. I mean, oh my god, those strikes were so good. And like, strike-specific loot? Why isn't that back yet? Jeez, man, Bungie is really fucking up. They're really fumbling the bag. What What do the kids say? They're losing the plot? That's what they're doing, okay? Um. But yeah, the Tide Twins, such a cool name. When I saw that, I was so excited to get to kill something new. 
They wouldn't reskin a double fight with such a cool name, right? Wrong. It's a fucking it's juggernauts. Again. And, you know, I feel like they saw what FromSoft did, where they make an early game boss into kind of a common enemy while changing nothing. Um, it's just now that hard ass boss is now a regular enemy. You know? But they just forgot that. FromSoft has, especially recently with Elden Ring, such a huge variety of enemies yet to kill. And they forgot to actually make the bosses even remotely difficult. Uh, I don't know. Like, I get it's a kid's game, but it sure feels like it's for toddlers rather than teenagers, you know? Uh, So, kill the Tide Twins, ring a bell to summon Bubbles again, have Bubbles destroy the ship that the bad guys rode in on, and then we get treated to a pretty lengthy cutscene that ends with Quark doing something for once and saving us from uh, Dr. Nefarious and letting us escape to save the world, etc. I feel like, let me just say this, that I know that I'm making it seem like Ardalis is kind of shitty. I'm really not doing it any justice, but it is really enjoyable. The fun part of the games, it comes from the gunplay and figuring out how much of one gun you want to level, how much of the little side quests you want to do, and really just kind of fucking around for a while and taking in how gorgeous the world is. And I'm just not sure that there's any way that I could get that across effectively. Luckily for you PC folk, this game is coming to Steam in June. Uh, I wish this was sponsored. That would be cool. Uh, but the i think nine people uh rss says that there's like nine total people subscribed so i don't think i'd be getting any money for that Uh, but it is coming to steam this month and it is for free right now if you have playstation plus uh so go play it uh if you have a playstation 5 just go do it um so now we start recycling planets and i'm okay with that if there are new arenas within those planets to go uh, there isn't in this case to an extent, but hypothetically, I'd be fine with it. We're off to uh, fucking Sargasso. See you there, squares. So Sargasso Volume 2 is pretty short and sweet, thankfully. And I don't intend to inflate the word count any more than I have to at this one. I am so over Sargasso, and the reason starts here because we have to um free a secret kill another juggernaut do a clank possibilities puzzle with kt who now wants to be called kit by the way so with kit and then once we help do all that we'll get word from the morts that they're safe and that trudy is coming to help and we get the unique pleasure of riding trudy around the sky as we destroy nefarious ships sounds cool whenever you just say it but uh, it sucks because Sargasso kind of fucking sucks. My issue with Trudy and really any flying mechanic in a video game is why in the name of whatever your god is would anyone add a flying mechanic in a game unless it's seriously polished? Like, all things considered, Ratchet and Clank gets the job done in the flying regard, I guess, but it feels so clunky more often than not. The way this animal flies around is reminiscent of a flying fucking pontoon, 
And don't get me started on how they literally don't tell you how to land. And if you can, or where you can and can't, and don't tell you how to unlock more landing points. And, and, and they don't freaking tell you that you can't destroy these collectible points until you end up doing this mission and learn that you can shoot fucking fireballs. So I spent 30 minutes the first time on Sargasso trying to find a way to land because obviously she can't shoot fireballs the first time around. So I didn't even know that was a possibility. So I didn't know that I can destroy the tangly bits to get the golden bolts I want and spy bots. I want like fucking shit, dude. I'm not an idiot. Like how is a kid supposed to figure this out? Shit, man. God damn. So what happens after you get on Trudy and learn that she can shoot fireballs is that you need to destroy the ships and drop bombs now on the bigger ones to really put, you know, a spanner in the mix uh, of the nefariouses to invade Sargasso. After you finish doing all that, Doc and Imp are going to get pissed off and they're going to send us to a pocket dimension. We've seen these. We love these. They're the best new addition to the game and we get out of it handily. And we get off to Savali to find the dimensional map before the actual goddamn Emperor Nefarious does. Okay? Do you guys remember how I kind of said that they, oh, I don't know, add anything new to planets on the second go? I was mostly talking about Sargasso. Because the hate in my heart that I have for Sargasso blinded me. Uh, I really don't like Sargasso. <laughs> I don't know if I've said that before, but it's so annoying because I love the jungle, forest, planet slash moons thing like Kashik, Kashik, or Indoor in Star Wars. I mean, those are my favorites outside of Tatooine, right? This, though, is a double trouble level, which I love. I love that they're finally doing a double trouble level. Ratchet and Clank are working as Rivet and Kit are working on saving different portions of this planet it's cool it's fun you know uh just imagination wise because you're not playing with them at the same time of course but you know that the other one's doing something so we start up as rivet and kit and beat down some goons and now undead goons exist right that's pookie and Kelly. i wish that kind of thing happened more often though in a previous cutscene, Dr. Nefarious got pretty trigger-happy and decided to let his finger guide a line towards complete destruction of anything that makes relative sense. Undead things are popping up, more goons from other dimensions are showing out, but it really just feels like much of the same. They really could have blown the top off with the whole bringing different bad guys from different dimensions, but they just kept the status quo, like they have the whole time, and that's really disappointing because... Everyone knows what these guys are capable of, and this is a far shot from that. Everyone being the devs of Insomniac. After we've dealt with the baddies, um, we get shot to a cutscene that leads to Rivet and Kit boarding Emperor Nefarious' ship, and that's pretty freaking cool. Uh, that's the new part. Uh, we have to start taking elevator on elevator on elevator to try and find someone or something that could help with this clusterfuck that's happening right now. Eventually, we find another juggernaut guarding Gary, our little hippie monk. He was captured, and I honestly thought that this game was going to take a risk and really make Gary be a traitor and team up with the nefarious seas, but of course not. No, he was actually captured. 
lame. Ever linearly, we matriculate, right? Gary lets us know that he hid the dimensional map in an anomaly in an effort to hide it from Emperor and Doctor alike. We let Ratchet know, and then by the end of the cutscene, we move to play as Ratchet and Clank, who are making an effort on the ground to activate some drills that are going to drill into the ground to expose the catacombs below the planet's surface. The action we're doing is cool. Uh canonically but the method the player does it is kind of lame we just stand on a plate kill a few waves of things again i don't know what i want but i feel let down like there should be more but there isn't i tell you what though the enemy density is great so that part of this portion of the planet is pretty fun uh we need to go do this same exact thing though three separate times and when we finish the drills uh they bust through the ground giving way to some ancient catacombs housing the anomaly that contains the dimensional map that our scientist lombax friend from the lorbs hid uh or created rather because gary hid it keep up manny uh you <laughs> you jump down you turn a bolt crank to open the door to get where you need to go and through the door you know we'll enter a rift find some goddamn speedle nests ride the speedle through the obstacle course that is in front of us and hold boost because you want this shit to be over as fast as possible i'm sure I know I did. I was over speedles after the second one. At the end of the obstacle course, which is the end of the anomaly, we have to defeat some bad fellers that are trying to kill the monks that have taken refuge in the space. The enemies are both of the live and undead variety, and we get a new enemy, kind of. An undead Grunthor. Except for it's just a regular Grunthor with bones sticking out of it and shit. Do the damn ting, and then you have to do a clank puzzle or skip it. I did. I was over it at this point. After all of that, or none of that, we, uh, that being the clank puzzle, we get to grab the, uh, ma- oh no. Imp and Doc are here, and Kit has to reveal her true form to rivet, uh, to save our Lombaxes and robot rivet is like super pissed about the whole thing saying that she feels betrayed and all that but like obviously kit has changed and it's so abundantly clear that kit feels like dog shit about the whole thing it i mean it just pissed me off that they made rivet seem so immature about it after kind of building her up to be some hardened resistance leader you know kit does indeed save the day and we get to duck out psych bitch ratchet and kit and clank were captured along with all of our buddies rivet was the one that was left out so now we're on to viceron which has a zordum prison i think which is a a fun name uh it's short it's got some pretty cool looking stuff and a handful of easter eggs i won't really get into too much because i really want you guys to play the damn game 
uh, get your spoons and start digging because we's about to cause a prison break of all right proportions. All right, so <clears throat> on Viceron is Zordum. Zordum is the prison. And when I heard the name Zordum, I don't know why, I kind of expected something more gothic, but it's more like a cyberpunk max tech situation, which makes sense considering this is like the Guantanamo of this universe. And of course, it'd be modeled after Emperor Nefarious's aesthetic, just like a city. So I don't know why I thought that, but I thought it would have been cool. Um, Rivet has to go in alone, uh, just kind of like how she started this whole thing, to save everyone from Nefarious. And we're going to have to kick out all the tricks uh, that we've learned over the course of this game, from wall jumps to hurl shots to slingshots to phantom dashing. The whole toolbox is getting used on these last couple levels, by the way. Uh, we land quite a ways away from the actual prison, so we got to do some walking and jumping to get inside. But once we do, pretty quickly we see Clank about to be incinerated. That seems fucking harsh, right? Uh, you know the drill. Rip and tear like you're the Doom Slayer. And then pull a lever like Kronk to save Clank, okay? Cutscene commences, but it's a short one about formulating a plan or something. After it ends, it'll send us to some transfer room where prisoners are transferred, and we have to do uh, some killing, of course. Uh, we got to defeat some guy called the Transfer Manager, who is, you guessed it, another fucking juggernaut. And again, there's no switch up. It's just a reskin. It's, it's so frustrating to fight these guys all the time. They're the same. Like, at least switch it up. I don't even think, honestly, I don't think that they even switch up the uh, effects, like the visual effects of each attack. I think it's the same, just in a different planet. It's so frustrating. Um, but before we actually get to the transfer manager, we clock ratchet cell, right? And as we go to chase it, the boss comes down to get us. Uh, after we defeat the transfer manager, actually, we're able to chase down our little furry friend again and catch up to him this time and then lose him again. Duh. We get overwhelmed as we find out that Ratchet's getting sent to the VIP section of the prison. And to get to him in that portion of Zordum, we've got to defeat the warden. Uh, it's a pretty hectic fight, um, which is welcome. You know, the game's really just been a breeze since the first Juggernaut, or even the first Grunthor, honestly. I think the Grunthor was a more difficult fight than the Juggernauts, to be honest with you. So defeat the warden. Uh, it's a crazy big boss arena and uh, get to the VIP section where we save Ratchet and you get to go around and talk to all the prisoners in here and you get to hear some funny shit about different things that have happened across the, this universe and there's some PlayStation original things that come up as Easter eggs and son of a bitch wouldn't you guess it there's one more place that they could send Ratchet and gang the maximum security area before we get to Ratchet that's where he gets sent it's <laughs> It's just a cat and mouse thing. You know, it's like if you're going to put this kind of thing, just just don't do I don't know. Just I don't have any constructive criticism about this because I'm not equipped to give any kind of advice on this. It's just criticism. And that's kind of annoying. But it's just I just feel like there needs to be more. Sorry about that. <laughs> An frustrating opinion. There just needs to be more with the amount of money that they get out of this franchise. Um, as we clear out the VIP area, 
uh, and free some side characters, we get bombarded with just wave after wave of enemies sent by the imp emperor and his assistant, who is a right dickhead. As Ratchet and Kit's cells being lowered to the max security area, we need to really think fast and hit some buttons to start chasing them before we lose them entirely. And this is where that douche of an assistant starts flooding the fucking area with poison gas. We got to skate around and ride through this obstacle course of death fog. Uh, shout out Divinity, original sin too. And exploding barrels and all that while also being timed. If we don't make it to each checkpoint, then we fail the whole mission, just like back on uh, Savali where we had to skate up that mountain at the beginning. It's fun. I love that. You know, it's hard, but I like it. As we finish the obstacle course, we leap out of like a hole or something to try and grab on to the transfer pod that Ratchet and Kit are in. We almost get it, right? So we miss and now we're falling and we need to grab onto something. So we use a little slingshot to try and grab onto the transfer pod we missed that fucking thing too so now we need to hit this little yellow hurl shot to sling ourselves onto a platform out in the distance this is the evac platform and that thing is swimming with bad guys this fight was tough it really was there's these little sniper guys that come out and a royal guards who are super tanky and they do a shit ton of damage you got to kill them one at a time in addition to just so many waves of all of the most annoying enemies in the fucking game. But once they all perish, we can finally save Ratchet and Kit. Pull the lever and save the day, please God. After we free them, there's an immediate cutscene. That's pretty long. And it ends with Rivet continuing to be a brat and Kit continuing to need someone to forgive her besides Ratchet and prove to herself that she has good in her little robo heart. And of course, Rivet isn't going to do that. Even though Kit has obviously changed from whenever she shot off Rivet's arm. And Rivet's got a badass robot arm now, and she never complains about it. But Kit has obviously changed from that time. <laughs> it's it, it annoys me so much. So at the end of the cutscene, towards the end rather, we find out that Rivet doesn't want to team up with Kit. And in fact thinks it's best if Kit just fucked off back to Savali. Like, Jesus Christ, Rivet, grow up, dude. You're currently in an apocalypse situation, and really, you need all the buddies you can get. It's not like since the people are saved from Zordoom that Emperor and Doc are gonna just say, well, we've been defeated, foiled again. You'll see us next time. They're fully on board with enslaving the entire universe and not even stopping there they want to do that to every single dimension like grow up dude what the fuck so she is off to savali kit and we are off to scar stew to formulate a plan to end this thing once and for all finally all right this is it go up to the bar talk to quantum aka quark and find out that everyone's decided to travel to Corson five ratchet's dimension to take down the nefariouses once and for all turns out that a bunch of the goons for less are not on the nefarious's side so we get to fight alongside them and that's fun that's different 
that makes sense. I'm sure I sound sarcastic about that, but I'm really not. I think that's all the, like, duh. Of course, everyone not wanting to fight, you know, with them would be on board with a multidimensional galactic takeover. This is another double trouble situation, and I like those. We start as Ratchet, and then we go to Rivet, and then we go back to Ratchet again, and then we go back to Rivet to end the game. The boss fight with the Emperor is a multi-part fight, which, again, it's very good to me, as long as it's done well. And this fight was okay. It was done okay. Part one is Rivet whittling down the health bar of Emperor Nefarious's power suit that he created, and it's like huge, just massive. Like, I would say it's probably as big as Fixer, if not a little bit bigger, honestly. It's enormous. Part two is the same thing, but with the other Lombax, but there are a couple new moves from the power suit, so it's not all the same. You know, not same, same. Part three is when a rift is opened up and we have to do the little uh, pull ourselves to it and do a jumping puzzle to get to a damage point of the power suit, um, which is near the heart. Once you make your way inside the suit from the jumping puzzle, we got to destroy that heart, Ant-Man style, tiny, big. Once we get the heart beat up enough, a cutscene starts up and brings us down to a platform to actually defeat the emperor himself. Uh, Ratchet and Rivet, as the heart explodes, get sent to opposite sides of, you know, whatever the city is. But Rivet ends up closest to Emperor Nefarious, which of course she does, right? Her whole thing is that she's never won. They kind of talk about that a lot at the beginning. She's never won. And Ratchet has just T-pained all over everybody, you know? He's literally just walking around like... And then poor Rivet is just kind of sitting there like, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Getting the shit beat out of her by Ember Nefarious at pretty much every turn. And so that's sad. You know, that sucks. But there's a payoff here. Rivet is a no-brainer to win this fight, right? Win this one fight. And not only save her dimension, but save all of them. I think that fights of endurance have a place in like the boss fight meta, I guess. I think that consistently not making mistakes and having to be perfect for a prolonged period of time is something that should continue to exist in boss fights. I say that because that's what all of these fights with the Emperor so far have been. And that's what this last stretch is especially going to be. It really does get pretty hectic and the damage phases are shorter than I'd like. But ultimately, this is a good ending boss fight for a kids slash preteens game. And once you get to imp to like half health, 50, 55 or so, Kit comes down in her mega big mode, shout out to Donkey, and helps us get him to 0%. Kit is good. I like Kit. Now, you get to watch the final cutscene and bask in your glory. I will not be talking about that final cutscene here because I, again, really want you to go play the game or watch it yourself. It's really worth it. And I, uh, I'm i going to wrap this up in a final re-review coming up right here. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is a masterpiece of a video game from the top to the bottom. And if your only complaint is that 
you felt there should be more, well, then you should take a step back and be thankful. You're able to play what was given. I still want fucking more though. Nine and a half out of 10. Now, what's going to happen is I'm going to go planet to planet in the order you're meant to and tell you why I love them each and why I didn't like them. That's a paragraph out of the review for this game that I wrote before I decided to type about it for hours longer than I played it, which, by the way, came up to like 14 hours. And I tell you what, that was way less time than I thought that I had on it. I think I said something like 30 and earlier in that, and that was so far off base. I mean, that's double, double it, right? The game really did have a grip on me. And I have to say that it was a fantastic game, but as good as it was, I think I didn't realize how many issues I had with it after not having played it for a few weeks. I uh, I really had some rose-tinted glasses on, something fierce. This re-review is going to be a thing for me if I do more of these room perspectives, and I hope I do, but I would love for you guys to tell me you enjoy them. I kind of need you to, otherwise all of the work that I'm doing on them is kind of pointless, right? Because um, at the moment... I think I know of two people that do like them that that I personally know listen to the podcast, and they're really nice and supportive. So I think they'd like anything I put out. Love you, Caden and Lucas. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart blossomed when you found your favorite gun, but kind of floundered and wilted when you had to use that favorite gun to deal with the 7th, 8th, ninth reskin juggernaut blew your mind with its industry-leading visuals as you grabbed a rip in space-time to traverse a pocket dimension that's accumulated any number of enemy and objects alike, but then disappointed you when you grabbed that rip in space-time to climb on top of the same tall rock or that same platform you climbed up on ten times prior just with a different coat of paint on it. Each positive thing the game did was joined with a head-scratcher of a negative that I I can't really make sense of. The, The series has had a pretty terrible history with development historically, and that's really unfortunate. But for some things, like a $70 game, there are inexcusable ways to pad playtime. Reskinning the same boss for however many bosses in a row is unacceptable. Paying writers to create a story that makes one of the main characters in Rivet go from a resistance leader managing extreme personalities and personal failures to an immature child that can't forgive a robot who, against all odds, felt something wrong in her programming and changed her entire lifestyle. It's unacceptable. (laughs) Insomniac are masters at creating a world that's been lived in, at throwing together charming characters with enriching dialogue. Their impeccable gunplay carries their games. All those things are true about Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, but regardless of what they've done and can do, they fell short here in a big way. And the biggest negative that this game has is the amount of reused assets in addition to a game that I did not speed through and still racked only like 14 hours up. I gave this originally a 
nine to nine and a half out of 10 earlier in this series. That was wrong. Really, the graphics carried that rating for me. The gunplay that I remember, the characters to a certain extent, the side characters mostly carry that obscenely high rating. Really what the game is, is a fun, quick, run and gun, platforming shooter that looks gorgeous from the outside, but kind of fades the longer you play. In its current state, I think the game is worth 50 bucks, 60 bucks, but asking 70 bucks for this is reprehensible. I mean, it doesn't have that much replay value. Uh, new things don't happen. If you go to New Game Plus, there's no new dialogue. There's nothing, really. The fights are all pretty one-dimensional. There's only really one way that you can do each level. Uh, there's not diverting paths in story. And playing the game and boss fight and levels with a different weapon doesn't count as playing the game different. I mean, it just doesn't. That doesn't count. <laughs> you can't do that. That's that's not how replayability works, unless you just really are obsessed with the gunplay. And some people are. More power to them. I wish that I could care that much about one specific thing in a game, but I just don't. The story is fine. The gunplay is great. And I just don't think that that's worth $70. I really don't. The graphics are great, but I have played many games that were 60 that were 50 that were $40 to add just as good a graphics. Honestly, I mean, as beautiful as the game is, there are others that are equal to it and they aren't 70 fucking dollars. I really harbor no ill will to the devs of these games. It's squarely on the stockholders holding the shit ass CEOs to a standard of profit that is really just a detriment to well-developed games in this day and age. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart gets a very steady 7.8 to 8 out of 10 from me at the end of the day. Thank you so much for listening to all this, you guys. It, it really means a lot. This came out to around, oh, I don't know, 23,000 words and then some. And to be completely honest with you, I never thought I'd finish it. I don't know if you understand how much it means to know even one person listened to the ramblings of a psycho's uh, manifesto on a children's game. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, I don't need a manual. Neither do you. I love you. I'll talk to you later.